0: Mazza I am your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry. Me, what's up, Jerry? No, oh, not much, Pat. How, how you doing? I, your beautiful <sighs> voice is back. Um, <clears throat> it's still a little, little, little rough, but I'm, I'm, I'm fighting, I'm fighting my way back, man. I'm really, uh, I'm drinking the honey tea. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm resting my pipes. Trying not to yell at my kids so much. It's, uh, it's a little difficult, but we're trying to get back to uh, full health. So you, we're getting you're, there. You need to, you need to get lots of sleep, Pat. That's how, that's how you do it. That's, so that's I got how I, I got stay three sleep. hours last night. That probably wasn't enough sleep. <laughs> uh, I woke I woke up at uh, ten a.m. Uh, this <sighs> morning to uh, meet Pat at work to pick up a bunch of uh, oh, no, 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 stuff. No, no. <laughs> you opened your eyes at ten a.m. You didn't wake up. Waking up is actually getting out of bed and starting your day, Jerry. Don't give yourself too much credit. And my alarm was set for ten thirty, and I'm like, oh. I still have half an hour. I can I can rest my eyes a bit longer. So I close close my eyes and then I wake up to at one p.m. to a text message from Pat saying, "Hey, if you want to get these, you need to come now." Yeah, I was like, <laughs> uh, "You probably didn't wake up yet, Jerry, did you?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no, I'll, I'll see you later, Pat." <laughs> oh, that's, Jerry. that's how I keep my voice, Pat. You just you got to get plenty of beauty rest. Uh, you know what? honestly i i probably average I probably average like five hours a night but uh like last night was like just three hours so I, I had to get up before work at like 4.30 this morning so I probably fell asleep around 1.00, 130 so uh not, not not enough sleep for sure I need to uh get more rest I'll, that'll be my next uh that'll be my new year's resolution for next year for 2019 here we come <laughs> good 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 point I like it <laughs> uh, as always we want to say thank you to Hipsters of the Coast for bringing you guys Leaving Legacy every Friday you can also find us on the Top Decked app as well you can visit uh, Hipster of the Coast for tons of Legacy content just general magic content uh, there's a ton of stuff over there so check it out for sure uh, also if you want to support the show directly you can visit patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. You can support the show for as little as a dollar an episode. We have some great rewards. We have stickers and shout outs. We actually have some stuff going out this week. Uh, play mats and more. Uh, Jerry, you still working on those beer glasses? I am. I am. I was actually I was talking to an operative in Germany it's that uh, operative. <laughs> nice. I like it. Uh, so see if we can get some actual traditional German beer stein. So uh, it's 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 moving. It's moving. <laughs> Nice, <laughs> awesome. Well, you can if you want to check that out. Uh, the link is in the show notes. So, Jerry, please, uh, why don't you take us in here and introduce our our special guest this week? Yeah. Well, today we are focusing on Esper Stoneblade. So, thought who better than our friend Ben Baradaka? What's up, Ben?
1: Hey guys, what's going on?
0: Oh, not much, not much. So, Ben, uh, you're pretty well known in the Esper community. Uh, you wrote the primer on the deck on uh, the source. I so did, for, I did. Yeah, for a lot of new people uh, getting into legacy, learning about the decks, that might be you know one of the first places they encounter the deck. And then you also are the founder of the the Stoneblade group on Facebook too. Is that correct?
1: Yes, yes. I um I started that group right after Top was banned because I knew like there'd be a lot of mo- a lot more attention on Stoneblade after that because people were. I was talking about how Miracles was just the better Stoneblade deck, you know, why would you ever play Stoneblade when you could just play Miracles, so um, I started the group, like, I think it was maybe the day of or the day after, and um, got a lot of players, Um, I think I have over 260 right now in there, so, yeah, it's it's really, really nice, yeah.
0: Yeah, just sharing ideas about the deck, so, yeah, why don't you tell people kind of your experience with the deck, when did you kind of first start uh, playing it?
1: Uh, so this is this is a cool story. So, um, I was at a Worcester Open. I think it was in two thousand fourteen, maybe two thousand fifteen. I don't I don't quite remember which one it was, but um, I went with a group of friends from a old uh, store I used to play with, and um, one of my friends brought Esper Stoneblade there, and uh, I was watching him play, and he was five zero at the time. He was undefeated. And I was watching him play against Miracles, and he cat he was casting Thoughtseize and Snapcaster Thoughtseize, and then he was and then like he played Vindicate on a on a, the Counterbalance, and then he played um what did he play after that he was playing um he played Jace, and then out of the sideboard, he brought in Sorin, Lord of Innistrad, and meddling mage, and I was just this is the this is the deck that I want to build, and mm-hmm. so I started playing it after that. Um, he actually lent me the deck, and I play like a few local events. Did really well, and then I built it. So um, I got into Legacy kind of kind of late compared to most people, I would say. I I built Burn in uh, 2015 with most of the modern cards that I had already, um, and not soon after that I was built. I played like Blue Red Delver, and then I played uh, Stoneblade. So yeah, nice.
0: Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I can definitely relate to that story as far as just seeing Esper and all the cool things it can do. Um, I feel the Esper Stoneblade deck is a deck that really lends itself to customization, and there's lots of little spicy tricks you can throw in the deck.
1: Oh, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of really fun little cards that you can put in, and it's they just work. Yeah, Exactly.
0: Uh, ben, can you kind of just tell us about the uh, general strategy of uh, Stoneblade? What What is the deck really trying to do?
1: Okay, so um, in Stoneblade, what you're trying to do is control the game through uh, your creatures, and you're gaining card advantage through your creatures, whether that's Stoneforge Mystic and the equipment that you get with it, or Snapcaster Mage, um, or Baleful Strix, cards like that. You're trying you you have very few cards in your deck. Uh, that can gain card advantage, um, so you need your creatures to do it for you. Uh, What you're doing with Stoneforge Mystic is getting your equipment, and then with your equipment, you already have drawn a card, basically, with Stoneforge Mystic. So, typically, you don't really care if your Stoneforge Mystic gets killed, because you've already gained a card off of it. And then, that's why Brainstorm and Jace (laughs) Jace the Mind Sculptor are so powerful in this deck, uh, because you can just put the equipment back in your deck, find another Stoneforge Mystic, and find them again. Um, so you're gaining card advantage in this way. Uh, so... Right. Yeah.
0: And then it'll it'll find other um, modes as well. There's the Baleful Strix versions, um, Snapcaster. So it ju- Espers really feels like this deck where everything is a little bit of value. It, it really just wants to grind its opponents out in the mid-range.
1: Exactly. So a lot of people will say oh deathrite shaman should i have deathrite shaman in my esper stoneblade deck and that's that's a hard question to answer it's not a simple yes or no because deathrite shaman it's not gaining you card advantage so it's it's just a magnet for your opponent's removal and then you're even in that exchange uh, where in stoneforge mystic you're up in that exchange and you know or or you either want to be playing a creature that immediately gains you card advantage or something like True Name Nemesis, where they can't kill it, you know, it just wins the game.
0: Right, it creates an almost virtual card advantage in that not only are you getting card advantage through Stoneforge Mystic Finding cards or Baleful Strix Drawing cards, it's that it blanks all the removal spells in your opponent's hand. It makes it feel like they're worthless because if you fatal push a stampcaster mage, that's already gotten value off of flashing back a brainstorm or flashing back a thought it just doesn't feel that great. You're exactly. still losing this trade and it's, it almost feels like Esper is trying to win by a thousand paper cuts.
1: It, yes, precisely. And um, you can even do that with cards like lingering souls, where it does feel like a thousand little paper cuts.
0: exactly um which i guess kind of also leads to somewhat of the frustrating aspect of playing esper that uh esper is very unforgiving i feel to its pilots
1: absolutely yes it's it's if you make a mistake you're probably gonna lose like you need it's it's um it's a deck that has no amazing matchups but it has a bunch of like 45 to 55 percent matchups where your skill and your opponent's skill play a huge role in who comes out victorious. Exactly. Uh,
0: Which I think uh, dissuades some people from the deck, but the people who do get into the deck, I feel, are really into that aspect.
1: Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that really brought me to it was I knew my skill would really matter where I before that I was playing like you know burn and blue red delver sorry pat (laughs) but um (laughs) you know sometimes sometimes you get these these hands where you're just like oh I, I win like there's nothing my opponent can do where that that just doesn't really appeal to me in magic I guess I don't really like having that I like really working for my wins even though Obviously it's better just to win.
0: Yeah, I, I like working for my wins too. That's, that's with sneak and show, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean that yeah. I earned I those wins in the comment. But... <laughs> I earned those wins. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh Esper, I feel has game against everything, but has no free wins. Yep. Like which is kind of refreshing that when you play Esper, you don't really mind playing very many matchups. You're just okay with the vast majority of the
1: fields. Exactly. Um,
0: yeah. So could you could you just kind of talk about it's just versatility in that regard?
1: Yeah. Well, I think Esper more than any other Stoneblade variant um, is more versatile because you have cards like Thoughtseize and, uh, you know, sometimes Collective Brutality uh, where you they're really good in. Basically every matchup, you know, they, they just do something all the time. Um, You know, there are a few matchups where you'd rather not have it like, you know, burn or lands or something, but um, these cards just do something all the time and they really work, you know? Right.
0: Um, It, you just have these all answers like vindicate uh, is just really broad. Um, you're a mix of counter magic and discard, so you can hold back most combo decks and your creature package, uh, can take on most other fair decks in the format. Um, you're kind of underpowered against things like Tarmogoyfs and Gurmaganglers, but you can just make up for it with just recurring batter skulls or just getting
1: value in other ways. Yes. And that's become a lot tougher now with so many Coligans command in the format,
0: Yes, yeah. Could you touch on that a bit, like where we see um, uh, Esper in the in the meta right now? Sure.
1: I think um, it's a lot of people actually ask these questions in the um, in the post that you made in the Facebook group. People were asking about how you know it's so unplayable. You know, you know it's it's just a bad deck. You know, Stoneforge Mystic. Why are you playing it? Um, the reason that you play it is because you like it and you have fun with it. It's not necessarily you don't necessarily want to pick it because you're you want to spike a tournament. And um mm-hmm. the reason is because of, you know, Coligan's command in, in the format right now. It's really, really lines up well against Stoneforge Mystic. It you know, they they can kill your Stoneforge Mystic, make you discard a card, or kill your your Baleful Strix and destroy your batter skull. You know, they have so many lines of play with this card, plus Snapcaster Mage to do it all over again. It's just it's a nightmare. Right.
0: Basically, the thing that has beat the grindy deck is a more grindy, more abusive deck in the form of uh, Checkpile and Grixis Control.
1: Yeah. Some. So some in Esper, there are some tools that you can do to fight that, like Lingering Souls is really good against Checkpile. It's hard for them to deal with all these cards. They typically only run, like, maybe one Toxic Deluge in their deck, and so all these one ones can really get the job done.
0: So kind of just overwhelming them. So, if if you were to sleeve up an Esper list for a tournament tomorrow, uh, what what would you be backing?
1: Uh, I'd definitely be playing Lingering Souls. um, And I so Connor, Haley, and I work well together. Do you know you know Connor?
0: Yeah, didn't Connor just win uh, the yes uh, yeah yeah the Hascon promo right?
1: Oh yeah 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 yeah. he's (laughs) oh yeah he won the um the caption contest. Yeah. yeah. So we know Connor. Yeah. And um he he's a um, very big Esper fan like myself. And um so we talk to each other about it. Another big tool in that matchup that we've been working with is um Academy Ruins, which works really well with uh Nihil Spellbomb. Um, which can negate all of this all of those shenanigans sometimes with Coligan's Command, you know.
0: Oh, so you're you're recurring Nihil Spellbomb with Academy Ruins? Yes. Wow. It's it's great. <laughs> Uh, I feel that is that that I I feel really sums up Esper. Like Esper is just bending over backwards for value.
1: Yeah, and back in the <laughs> Miracles era I was playing um Academy Ruins with Engineered Explosives so my opponent would never have a council's judgment I mean a count okay. Whoops. <laughs> my opponent would never have a counterbalance on the field because you mm-hmm. can just play Engineered Explosives with a higher CMC with the same Sunburst. Um, And then recur it every turn until, you know, they can't counter it anymore, and then you destroy their counterbalance, and then you can play all your ponders and thought sues again and take over the game.
0: Yeah. I liked, uh, during the Eldrazi Menace days, uh, I was playing Esper, and I would run Baleful Strix with Academy Ruins. Yeah. And you just... It essentially, have an infinite one-one death touch blocker. Yep. That uh, they would just run run it into. And you're like, I still draw my card, so I kill, still keep my draw step, and I keep playing this one-one death toucher every turn.
1: Yeah, that's it's such a that interaction is one of the things that brought me to Esper. is It's a really really uh, cool interaction, especially with um. Though also, I wanted to before I forget, I wanted to say um, Academy ruins is one of the ways that you can really beat the check pile deck with Esper because. Like, like I said, with Baleful Strix, with um, Nihil Spellbomb, and with all your equipment, you can bring them back, and they eventually they're going to run out of Koligan's Commands and Abrupt Decays, um, and their creatures aren't very fast or efficient. Um, you know, Leovold isn't super good against Esper, because you don't have that many cards that are drawing things. Um, you also have Source to Plowshares to exile it, so they can't bring it back with Koligan's Command, so eventually um, you... Esper is probably uh the best stone blade variant to if you really do want to beat checkpile.
0: What about the creature suite? We really see the creatures in Esper evolve over the years. Like we've seen Dark Confidant in it, uh True Name Nemesis, Geist of Saint Traft ma- reared its head uh before True Name Nemesis. Uh what what are kind of the creatures you can choose from for the deck?
1: Um well I have a very strong opinion on this. I think the creatures that you play in Esper Stoneblade should either gain you immediate card advantage or be true name nemesis. <laughs> okay. Yeah. One of those two things. Um, if it's anything else then I don't think it should be in the deck. Um, you can play Deathblade or something with um, Deathright Shaman. Um, uh, that's a different that's a whole different uh, deck I, in my opinion. Um, but if you're playing pure Esper Stoneblade I think Baleful Strix, Stoneforge Mystic, Tasker's pretty good. Stone, uh, obviously Snapcaster Mage, um, and then True Name Nemesis.
0: No, no room for our friend Bob. I really feel Dark Confidant has just fallen completely out of the meta. Yeah, it's not good enough anymore.
1: You see him pop up in Storm decks every now and again, but that's that's it. Yeah, he's it's still not good commands enough, man.
0: that. Not yeah, he still commands that forty dollar price tag. Well, it's it's, it's yeah, such an iconic
1: card though. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but it's like he's getting to be the same price as Tarmogoyf. Which, speaking of, ever since Gurmag Angler was printed, Tarmogoyf I also feel felt has just fallen out of the meta.
1: Yeah, it has.
0: Well, like with with Fatal Push being a, a major player and like just green in general becoming like only a splash color in the best decks, like Tarmogoyf is just not. It's not the killer it once was, it's not even that good in modern anymore either. So, uh, it'll it'll fall back down to a reasonable price range, and I mean it's 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 like not. Tarmogoyf is one of those creatures that was just like a big bad for cheap, so it was really popular. It's like it's like Germag Angler with with like a little bit less having to be committed to a Gurmag Angler. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I, Tarmogoyf is just like not that great of a creature in general. It was just mm-hmm. the best that was available for the cheapest mana cost and it fit in a lot of decks. You know?
1: Yeah, and there was a That's lot true. of novelty placed on it too for so long. It was just like the hot card to have.
0: Yeah, yeah, and like once once you get a Gurmag Angler that you can cast for. A single black mana it's like oh well this is actually just and sometimes mostly better like i mean obviously it will die to a big a big big uh tarmogoyf but
1: well at the same time gurmag angler is exiling a bunch of cards from the graveyard and making tarmogoyf smaller
0: exactly exactly so there was that interesting really interesting play to it and i just i I mean again i think fatal push was probably the death stroke there but uh yeah i I just i think tarmogoyf is is being relegated back to the uh not not necessarily the bulk bins, but just back to the trade binders, you know. <laughs> sell, sell, sell. Yeah, I, I I think so. I think so. Uh, but yep, nice little tangent there. So with Esper, I I, I do like your point uh, there, Ben. Actually, when we had Ben Friedman on a little while ago, he was making the same point uh, with Esper and Blue Bat, blah blah, Blue Black Control, that you want your creatures to be uh, you know, removal proof because you already have had the value. Whereas, um, the death blade list, uh, death, right. Shaman, you kind of have to spread the targets out, have other creatures that maybe not, uh, get you that immediate value that can soak up some of that, those removal spells. Can you kind of just go over how death blades a bit different?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, uh, death, right. Shaman, if you put that in your deck, you're making some sacrifices in order to gain some edges in certain matchups. Like, uh, obviously the ability to exile creatures is really big it's you know it's it's helpful in uh, matchups like the black red reanimator matchup or um in matchups like um like dredge yeah like dredge or um and even in it's good against against command too what you're doing is making your mana base a lot worse you can't play as many basic lands um and so you have to play more dual lands, then you're more susceptible to Wasteland and Blood Moon and things like that. There, are, there are pros and cons to including it in your deck.
0: With uh, Esper, are you doing any uh, like fancy combos? Doing any uh, like Thopter Foundry, Sword of the Meek? Um, what are some other ones? Like we've seen, Helm of Obedience combos, Rip Helm show up in Esper. Uh, how do you kind of feel about those aspects of the deck?
1: Um, I've I've tried a, I I've never tried rest in peace in um, helm of obedience in Stoneblade, but I have tried thopter founder and sword of the make um, the problem I find is that it's it's so easy to break up that combo and um, it and it doesn't like win the game on the spot like it do, it's it's it takes a few turns for you to actually win the game where the amount of setup it takes is almost not worth it in this kind of deck it's different in like Tesserator where you have lock pieces and Chalice of the Void and Ensnaring Bridge to really slow down the game, um, but in this deck I, I, you just can't really afford it. Yeah, it's just too slow for you. Yeah, I'm. Maybe some other people might have success success with it, but for me, it's just not it's not worth it.
0: With that, uh, did we want to do some uh, questions from listeners uh, about the deck, or was there anything else you wanted to touch on before we did the questions? Yeah,
1: well, there there is one thing. So, um, people ask questions about. All the different stone blade variants in the in uh in the in the group post, um, which is great. Obviously, I will answer all of those, but um, I, I did want to say one thing beforehand. Um, Esper stone blade has this really interesting aspect to it that makes it different than all the other Stoneblade variants. Obviously, we have discard effects, um, and these discard effects uh, allow you to be proactive in your disruption while. Uh, all other Stoneblade variants are basically only ever reactive. Uh, you know, you have, in Blue-White-Red Stoneblade, you have cards like Spell Pierce usually and Red Elemental Blast Effects, um, but those are all reactive. Where in Stoneblade, you can, I mean, in Esper, you can uh, cast a turn one Thoughtseize, sculpt your game plan, and really um, take advantage of the game before you're ever able to in any other stone blade variant uh
0: speaking of that i'll actually say i had this experience uh when i played uh on thursday last week was i was playing my bug delver list and i missed pyroblast or red elemental blast so much and i feel um missing out on red is is a big weakness for basically any deck uh fair deck in Legacy right now. I just think Pyroblast is super important to the meta. I,
1: I agree. And I one of the questions that someone asks about, um, I one of my answers is, um, if I were to go to a big tournament right now, I, I probably would not be playing Esper. I'd be playing blue eye, Red, Stoneblade, or maybe even Miracles. Um, but I think Pyroblast is so good right now, and it's just something that I think works really well in Stoneblade, too. More, almost more so than something like Thoughtseize
0: So you actually think uh, Patriot Blade is is where to be at if you're casting Stoneforge Mystics?
1: Um, yeah, right now I think if you want to be casting Stoneforge Mystic, you should be including cards like Jace the Mind Sculptor and Blood Moon in your deck.
0: What about uh, Blood Sun or whatever that new card is? Oh, I, d- I don't,
1: I don't like it at all. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, this card sucks ass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, Zach Turgent, right? yeah he's Mm -hmm. the the resident blood moon expert and um i the day after spoilers there was the um the tuesday the tuesday legacy tournament at gaming etc and i sat down next to him and i i asked him how many people have asked you your opinion on blood sun and he said literally every single person i've talked to tonight (laughs) (laughs) um and so i asked him you know obviously he told me his opinion he said that um the card will probably see play in Modern, and if it if it does see play in Legacy, it's going to be in the decks that want non-basic land hate but can't play Blood Moon, which I don't know how many of those decks there are, but it's uh, definitely not I mean... Blue-Eyed, Redstone Blade. In Blue-Eyed, Redstone Blade, you can play Blood Moon, so you should be playing Blood Moon and not Blood Sun.
0: Uh I th- I kind of want there to be a super fun deck come out of it with Blood Sun and uh Lotus Vale and, oh, yeah. and Scorched Runes. <laughs> That's And uh City of Traders.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and that way you'll be able to never have to um use, you know, sacrifice your lands to be able to do get all that mana
0: exactly it's like a bastard 12 post list mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like turn it. bad 12 post list and all <laughs> that's ex- that's exactly what it is but it's awesome <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a 12 post it's a 12 post list that the 12 posts only actually work if you have this three <laughs> man play.
1: just because you can do it doesn't mean you should
0: <laughs> it's gonna be glorious <laughs> oh man mm-hmm. Oh boy. All right, should we should we tackle some questions? Yeah, there there are a lot yeah? of them. Awesome. So, our friend Smiley, he was he was wounded that we didn't ask him to come on. Yeah, he was. Listen. <laughs> he was already <laughs> on the cast
1: though. Yeah, yeah. come yeah, on for Smiley. The
0: you you keep your expertise to bant and we'll uh we'll expand it out yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh but smiley tom smiley wants to know who is your best teammate and why
1: okay so here's a little uh, aside so um i'm part of this uh playtesting group team uh called Blightsteel gaming um and i played with them a lot uh back when i lived with my parents and i was closer to uh new hampshire and that's where they're that's where they're they're all from it's um out of merrimack new hampshire and um so we would all play together and travel together and it was a it's a good time there are a lot a lot of good people up there um since i moved moved away to my own apartment it's been a lot tougher and but anyway so smiley um played with us a lot back then so he's part of our he's part of our team and um so that's where this question is coming from um and nice and he um well, Smiley, you've had the most success having um, a couple Legacy Open Top 8s, and you won a Modern Open, um, and you've had you know feature matches and all that, So, but there's also one other person on our team. Um, do you, Are you guys familiar with the name uh, Joseph Santamissino? Uh,
0: nope. Uh, maybe not. It doesn't ring a bell, but maybe. Uh, Go on. He
1: got Top 8 at GP New Jersey in 2014. Uh, he was the mud post player
0: yeah and um
1: i think it was uh brian Bronduin who knocked him out of the tournament in the top eight after Mm -hmm. after um i think that his only joey's only losses i think in the whole tournament were to bbd twice once in swiss and once in top eight (laughs) so he's damn yeah he got into the pro tour and all that so i guess those two are the best teammates
0: but most importantly smiley is second
1: oh i mean it, yeah, okay, I, yes yeah, i don't think t- uh, smiley's ever been in the pro tour good no
0: suck it smiley suck suck it, suck it. Uh, i should actually suck up to him because he, he's bringing me delicious beer for my birthday oh so. he's he's on, um treehouse yeah, he he uh he camps out at uh various breweries oh. and just gets their limited release. Have you it's had Treehouse various... beer
1: yet? It's amazing. Yeah, uh it's great. I'm, I'm not
0: a beer guy, but I've been to Treehouse with my brother cuz he's he's really into beer, so uh I went with him just so he could like basically double up on whatever beer he was getting. Yeah. <laughs> I just like how going line with him. That place is cool an ex- brewery. it's just... an experience going there. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's just I don't know, beer's not really my thing, but
1: you know. Yeah, it's not for everyone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Pat only drinks beer when he's doing keg stands at the frat house. Uh, yeah, so you you would think that, like, I would be into beer, like, doing what, like, like playing football and stuff in college, but, like, it just never appealed to me. I just would just drink a handle of Rubinoff and then throw up and go to bed. Oh, my God. Oh, God. I'm just, I'm having flashbacks. Oh, yeah. Flashbacks. I, I smelled Rubinoff, like, uh, y- years after I was done with college, and it, like, made me dry heave so badly. <laughs> I don't know how I drank this stuff like turpentine. It's so gross. It's so gross. It's cheap though. It's like, yeah, well, very cheap. Well, I mean, that's you know, it was like you get a handle of Rubinoff or you get a flask of Smirnoff, and it's like, well, I want, I want a party for two nights, so we'll go with the handle. <laughs> I don't think it should be legal to sell a gallon of for ten dollars. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. not okay. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. <laughs> uh we uh, at my college the the local one was uh mr boston mr Boston, oh, yeah I've never heard of that either. Mr Boston, vodka ten dollars for a handle oh jeez
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: like it would it would strip the paint off your car
1: four loco was the hot thing my in the first few years of college for me.
0: Oh yeah, oh, I, I remember. remember I remember. Four, four, loco. four loco was banned, and the day of the announcement of the banning, uh, we, my entire house, got in the car, drove to the liquor store to get the last of the four loco, <laughs> and our entire school was in line at the register. Oh, <laughs> We're just like walking down the aisle there, and there, there's a line like twelve people long waiting to get the last of the four loco, and it's just all people from our
1: school. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
0: Anyways, where 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 do we leave okay. off here? <laughs> so we have um
1: we have Justin's question. He says, um, "Is Stoneblade a good deck for someone new to Legacy?" Uh, he doesn't want to build it, but he's in, he wants to hear my answer. Um, so I don't, I do not think it's the best deck for someone who's brand new to Legacy. If you're just jumping into Legacy, not having seen the format before, it's it's a terrible deck for you you're not you're you're probably not going to pick up many wins and um the cards have these there's a lot of things going on in stone that aren't immediately apparent if you're new to legacy you're not going to see those things and then you're the deck's just not going to perform for you um so i if someone's new to legacy i think it's better to try and play something more linear and um to try and gain experience in the format and see everything that it has to offer and then choose a deck from there
0: yeah i i can agree with that uh I just feel Stoneblade, because its matchups are so close, uh, and it is just about outgaming your opponent, uh, when you pick up Stoneblade, you really have to have a pretty good uh, understanding of the legacy meta in general, knowing what cards are important for what decks and what cards you have to focus on removing. Yeah,
1: it's when you ca- in Esper, when you cast Thoughtseize, you almost want to know what you're going to take before you even see your opponent's hand. Like you have to, you have to have an intuition of what you think is in their hand before you even cast it. So in those ways, you gain a lot of. If you can do that, you're you gain a lot of percentage points of matchups. Uh,
0: but it is fun. I mean, if you wanna dive headfirst, uh, hard mode style, uh, Desper would be a good deck for that. Oh yeah,
1: it's it's definitely a challenge if you're new to the format. And um, but if. I think if you're brand new to Legacy, maybe try Blue White Stone Blade. Um, I think that deck is underrated, really. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. Back to Basics is a really great card, and that deck can play at main deck, um, and you can really get your opponents with it. And it's um, a lot of it's. It's just I think that deck is a lot better than people think it is.
0: Um, so Aaron wants to know miracles. <laughs> I, I, I heard some rumbling that you may have, uh, switched sides, Ben. People, people are upset. I i almost of... sleeved up a place of a predicts. We're just going to end the call right now. No,
1: there's only, there's only, there's only two in the deck. Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Not a playset. No. Come on. <laughs> um, I'm of the belief that miracles and stone blade are all on the same side. You know, we're all on the anti death, right. Shaman. Um, fair blue strategy. Um, you know, most of us are will don't want to sleeve up deathrite shaman uh, just for the fact that we don't want to sleeve up deathrite shaman just only for that reason. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm I've picked up miracles. Um, honestly, the very first time I picked up miracles, uh, it was actually the very first deck I ever played in Legacy back in 2013. I think I went to I proxied up miracles and played it um after seeing it on stream i'm like oh this deck is amazing because i i used to play blue white red control and modern and i'm and i thought it was just the coolest deck so i i played it then and i'm like oh this deck is this deck's terrible i don't want to play it anymore and um obviously i was wrong and um the deck took off um but i started playing it again because um i started getting all my cards signed by the artists and i sent away my batter skull my jitte and my sword of Fire and i all to artists to get them signed and I wasn't going to buy new ones and I already had all the cards for miracles minus like predicts and portents, so I just sleeved it up, and have you know been having a lot of fun with it. As
0: a quick aside, I just want to give props to the Miracles PR department. Uh, somehow they have changed the narrative from Miracles being the most hated deck in the format into being the underdog resistance <laughs> fighters fighting against the menace that is Deathrite Shaman. Like, bravo, marketing team. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's true though. It really is. Like, I think honestly, if there are a lot of people who just play Miracles um, simply for the fact that they never want to sleeve up a Deathrite Shaman.
0: I mean, there, there are worse reasons to play a deck. Yeah. Um, so Gordy wants to know, can anyone stop the Batter Dad? Uh, I'm assuming that's Batter Skull. Yeah,
1: um, I <laughs> I assume so too. Um, yes.
0: <laughs> Unless it's like a Batter Skull-Grizzlebrand hybrid. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um. The answer to that question is yes. Coligan's Command can stop it. <laughs> um crozen grip can stop it and um courtesy of zach fiery confluence can stop it too
0: <laughs> oh does fiery confluence of a destroy target artifact yeah cross. it does you know one of the benefits is a uh, batter skull for a very cheap three mana can return itself to your hand
1: <laughs> it it does but not 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 in the face of a crozen grip
0: No, crozen grip is definitely lights out I will say, crows and gripping a batter skull is an amazing feeling.
1: Oh yeah, and blind. And if you've ever, if you've ever tried miracles, blind fl- flipping a three mana spell to counter a crows and grip is also an amazing feeling.
0: Right, not many people uh, realize that back when Sensei's Divining Top was still a thing, uh, you couldn't activate top in response to the crows and grip on your counterbalance or batter skull. Um, but you still got the trigger from the counterbalance. So if you just naturally had a three drop on top, uh, it was some of the most memorable ma- uh, moments of games.
1: Yeah, I and when I was playing burn, I used to play. I used to play green in my sideboard for um, destructive revelry and crows and grip because miracles was such a, a menace back then. Um, hmm. And I had my fair share of crows and grips get countered. Blake. Yep. Uh, she says, why does the Facebook group that I made have a goofy pun or title? Um, that's yes. true. True. Uh, the, there, there are a couple of reasons for that. Um, I like that, the, there are a lot of Facebook groups, um, like the, uh, New England real estate coalition. Um, <laughs> that's my favorite one, yeah. by the way. <laughs> obviously it's great. Oh, are are you guys in it or in the, uh, in the group? Uh,
0: I am not. I don't, Jerry, are you in that group? I joined some real estate. Yeah, that's probably I it. just keep getting condos offered. Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> Yeah, well, this, it's funny uh, because a lot of like bot accounts that are trying to sell or buy real estate join that group thinking it's about real so estate. Good. And then so, so all of the members time. just troll the bots asking them to buy tabernacles and um, <laughs> do you have any wasteland for sale for cheap or something like that? It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> um uh
0: there's also the real thing uh show presentation uh which is the japanese
1: show intel translation oh yeah that's a good one. Oh, that's that's interesting that's an interesting translation uh um, oh so was... yeah
0: why don't why doesn't the stoneblade list have a uh funny poem? well
1: like i said i i made the group um right after the banning so i wanted like a clear and concise title so that people looking for somewhere to go would have a place to go. So like all these miracles players who still had their tundras and volcanic islands, um, who only needed like a place set of stoneforge mystics, a Batterskull, skull and a Jitte could, um, you know, have a home and have somewhere to go to look at deck lists and have some help and find something. You know, if I, if I made the group have a title that wasn't, you know, just a legacy blue, white X stone blade, um, people might've been lost. And I just, you know, wanted a nice, clear title.
0: It's a it's a public service. Yeah, exactly. And
1: who knows? Maybe after this cast, if it gets enough attention, maybe I'll add a poll or something, and we can we can change the group to a, a punny title. <laughs> there we yeah. go. Uh,
0: Adam with the hard hitting questions. What was the best part of 2012 besides Call Me Maybe? Oh, great song! It was a good song. song. Um, that
1: I think it was. Wasn't Innistrad released that year? I believe. Yeah, so. I'd say I'd say Innistrad and like Lingering Souls, I think was printed that year too. Yeah. And Snapcaster Mage, obviously.
0: I mean, it was huge for Esper. So many, like Liliana of the Veil, Lingering Souls, Snapcaster Mage, uh all of those had huge impacts on Esper Stoneblade. Uh, plus the Miracles. And, and Legacy and was changed
1: Delver. forever with Delver. Yeah.
0: Twenty twelve, such a such an influential year for the format. Oh,
1: them. and another good thing about that year, the world never ended.
0: No, oh, true, true. We did get an amazing cinematic experience with 2012, <laughs> the movie, though. So, if that's what you want to the, call maybe it, maybe the world, maybe the world should have ended.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, Jeremy wants to know how many times has someone attacked uh, into you thinking that you only have a jet? Okay,
1: so this um, if, if this is kind of an interesting question. See. So um, what he's asking is, uh, say if I cast home for his Mystic, get my Umazawa's jite, um and then pass the turn, my opponent takes their turn, whatever happens, go back to to my turn, I have a non-sick Stoneforge Mystic, um, and then I pass the turn back, my opponent attacks, assuming I just have an Umazawa's Jite in hand, um, and I can ambush a Batterskull and block their creature and gain some life. Um, that does not happen very often. Uh, (laughs) it doesn't. (laughs) Like, that line of play is so rare, um... It it because think about it, you had so many things have to go right. First you have to have the batter skull in your hand, and then the correct line has to be to pass the turn and not play your Umazao's Jite, where Umazao's Jite is right. usually the best thing to be doing in um the matchups where you want it.
0: It's also super suspicious like you cast the Stoneforge, you get the JIT, uh you you pass back and you have four open mana, and say you also have like a Baleful Strix, your opponent's gonna be wondering, it's like why didn't he just cast JIT and equip it? Why is he leaving his mana in Stoneforge up? Something doesn't seem right Yeah, and true. even
1: then there's so many there are so few creatures that Batterskull can ambush. Like it doesn't obviously block insectile aberration, it doesn't profitably block Germag Gurmag angler. Um it doesn't block Baleful Strix, it does you know, all of these creatures, it doesn't do anything against Death Right shaman. there are so many things that it just doesn't really do anything against. So Batterskull isn't is not the best equipment in the deck. It's if you're getting Umezawa's Jite, um it, even like in the face of Leovold, like you're never gonna ambush a Leovold because they'll see you get it Umezawa's Jite and realize why would they get an Umezawa's Jite? That card is terrible against Leovold. They must have a Batterskull so they won't attack, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Sometimes the stars align and you'll get it, and someone will attack in with the young pyromancer for some reason, even though you have an untapped stoneforge mystic. The time it the the few
1: times it does happen is against like burn, where you if you have both in your hand and like you cast turn two stoneforge mystic, go to your turn three, you can't you don't have enough mana to put a jite on something, so they attack with their Mm -hmm. uh goblin guide and then you put in uh batter skull, you know, that's. That's one of the, that's in one of the few matchups where it actually works. But in that matchup, it's almost always, always correct to be getting Umizawa's Jite.
0: Magical Christmas Land, nice when it happens, but yeah. not not that
1: often. It doesn't happen often, no. Um, the next question is really great. Ryan, he asked, um, played Esper Deathblade at GP Santa Clara going X4. I was playing Lingering Souls instead of Baleful Strix. It, am I crazy? Why is no one else playing Lingering Souls? Uh, also, is sort of fire and ice, main deckable, and um, and he said he played it in the board and it felt wrong. I think lingering souls is great in the deck. I've already said that, but it's I don't think it's comparable to baleful strix. I think it's more directly comparable to trune nemesis um, because they're both three mana threats. I don't think baleful strix is a threat. It's more of like a removal spell. It's more baleful strix is more comparable to something like knight's whisper, where you're gaining card advantage. So lingering souls is a, in a a threat that has evasion, so I think it's more comparable to True Name Nemesis. I think it's better than True Name Nemesis in Esper specifically, just because you have cards like Collective Brutality. I like playing Liliana of the Veil in the deck, too. In um, in these times, um, I think Lingering Souls being able to be discarded to something like Coligan's Command or to an opposing Liliana of the Veil is... Um, is you know situationally better than true name nemesis it's not always better but it's definitely um it's definitely a potent threat
0: my pet card for the deck how do you feel about bitter
1: blossom love bitter blossom <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben brant um and merit al masri and i we all worked really hard together on esper for a while and um we came to the conclusion to play, Bale, uh, to play instead of playing Baleful Strix, we played uh, Bitter Blossom. We played Manalik, Lingering Soul, Sauron Lord of Anistrad. We came to all these pet cards and played them, and we just had so much fun. Bitter Blossom is just such a fun yeah. card to play. It's, some decks, like against Miracles, it's really hard for them to beat that card unless they have their one main deck Council's Judgment, or they can, you know, line up their Entreat the Angels or their um, Terminus really well against all your one ones. True.
0: I do love the Bitter Blossom, the the unofficial two-mana Planeswalker. (laughs) Uh, Making that token build of Esper is a lot of fun. I do enjoy that.
1: Yeah, it's great, especially with Humility. I love playing Humility. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That is a good one.
0: (laughs) Um, So, Ben wants to know, casting Squire into Impending Doom? I don't know what that... That is a reference Oh, okay. To... So,
1: uh, well, Ryan said something about Sword of Firenice in the main deck. Yeah, you know, oh, it's okay. Sorry. Well, <laughs> uh, Jerry, didn't you play Sword of Firenice in the main deck and have Batterskull on the sideboard when you played Esper? I did. I was playing that for a
0: while. Um, ultimately, I decided that I wanted all three main that I I was missing out on having Batterskull. But I did feel Sword of Fire and Ice was super useful in the majority of matchups. Oh yeah,
1: and most matchups that's the equipment you want. It's just in some matchups you you can't you it's just not useful, so you need the more well rounded answers in Jite and Batterskull. Batterskull is definitely the most well rounded card. Um Umazo's Jitte is probably the most powerful and Sword of Fire and Ice is just what the deck wants and wants card advantage, you know. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um I it was weird because I always was reaching for sword of fire and ice when I stoneforged mystics, but I also always boarded batter skull back into the deck.
1: Yeah. I see that. I, I think the, the equipment I board out the most is batter skull. I think, mm-hmm. um, in a lot of matchups you, I think like in a lot of combo matchups, or uh, not a lot of combo matchups, but in like against storm specifically empty the warrens, um, or like the epics storm, uh, Batterskull is, I think, worse than Umazawa's Jitte sometimes, but sometimes it's better, so it, it's just a really weird cat-and-mouse thing you have to play with decks like that.
0: I think Batterskull's better against Ad Nauseum than Tess, just because against Ad Nauseam... Uh, batter skull. If you can get a swing or two in with Batterskull, skull, it just puts you out of reach of their ability to storm off with tendrils. Um, well,
1: it is worth noting that um, batter skull it takes a whole another turn cycle for you to ever gain life. Yes. Uh, where Jete, if you ha- you know if you have it in your hand, you can gain life that turn. You know, where batter skull mm-hmm. you put it on the field and then you have to wait until your next turn to be able to attack. Um, that's why Jete is so much better against burn because you can play it and swing with it and then gain life Or batter skull you have to you play it and then you have to wait okay so uh ben Brandt's question he um i talked he said to you should explain the big upside of esper versus jeskai and Thoughtseize proactive versus basics stability and the power of red blast i think we talked about that um and how uh blue Eye red has a much more stable mana base and that's probably why i'd be playing it right now to be able to play blood moon um and to be able to play uh blast effects um but then in, with Esper, you get the Proactive Disruption with Thoughtseize Discard Effects, um, and cards like Sworn Lord of Innistrad, and, uh, Nihil Spellbomb. Um, and another good card is Zealous Persecution. Zealous Persecution is a really, really amazing card. Um, and it, it can counter cards like Toxic Deluge that are trying to kill your True Name Nemesis. Um, it can kill opposing True Name Nemesis at instant speed. Um it, it just is an, an all-around great card, and one of the reasons that um, Esper, is, uh, Esper has some interesting matchups against decks that normally should be terrible for Stoneblade, like Elves. Elves is usually a terrible matchup for Stoneblade. Um, even though Jitte is so good against uh, Elves, you typically don't have time to be able to uh, get it going whereas zealous persecution is sometimes a turn to board wipe against um, elves
0: huh okay I, I do like that uh, aspect I just felt the biggest problem with zealous persecution was it doesn't kill death right shaman
1: yeah that that is true um, and that's one reason to that blue eye red is um really great it gets to play lightning bolt and and source supply shares um, where in Esper sometimes you just don't have enough room to include cards like fatal push. So you're limited to, mm. um, with the amount of removal that you can play. Um, I th- That's another reason why I think blue eyed red is probably a little bit better than Esper at the moment.
0: And Ben also wants to know, why is Sorin, Lorna, Vinistrad the greatest? Uh,
1: well, he is the greatest. It's <laughs> People play uh, Gideon, Ally, Zendikar, typically. But um, we came to the conclusion that Soren should be in our deck instead. Um, it's a lot easier to cast, and we lose a lot of life with cards like Thoughtseize and Snapcaster Thoughtseize, um, and our mana base that is very dual-intensive, so you're fetching a lot, um, that the lifelink tokens are super relevant. Um, and they and obviously Sorin works well with cards like Humility, which we like playing too.
0: Whatever happened to poor old Elspeth? I remember when Elspeth was the golden girl for the deck.
1: Well, I think Elspeth it was pro- like almost replaced by Gideon. You were talking last week about how, like, Elspeth is so good with Moat, but Moat sees, like, no play. <laughs> no! <laughs> that $500 piece uh, of cardboard just sitting in your binder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, bring back Moat. Make Moat great again. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And also, I like you mentioned, just being harder to cast, the double light can actually be a problem sometimes. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. You
1: want, like your first two land drops you want usually to be basic lands. That's why we ended up playing Mana League sometimes over Counterspell um, because people don't typically wait to have three mana up to play around Mana League. So Counterspell is just really really i mean so mana leak is basically just counterspell only easier to cast
0: yeah i don't know anyone who plays around mana leak in like a That's <laughs> well <laughs> that's just not something after we do. started
1: winning with it people started playing around it <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah but even it's like you're, you're probably already winning if people are playing around mana leak it's like all right i gotta make sure i have three mana up before i cast my spell <laughs> ian wants to know what just the power level of stoneforge in legacy right now you know a lot of people think that the meta has still left Stoneforge behind. That Stoneforge just isn't good enough for Legacy anymore. Um,
1: I agree with that for the for uh, in a, in a way. Honestly, I think it's a um, I think if you really want to take down a tournament, um, the best thing to be doing is playing the deck that you are best with and that you're the most comfortable with. But beyond that, um, I think Stoneforge Mystic might not be the best way to win a big tournament, um, and that's just. Because so many people audible to uh, Coligan's Command decks, you know, people will say, "Oh, I want to be playing the best deck. Let me be playing Grixis Delver with Coligan's Command in the sideboard. Let me be playing Checkpile with Coligan's Command main deck." You know, um, people will choose. Sometimes people will choose decks just simply because because they are the best decks. Yep,
0: and unfortunately, uh, the best deck in the format is a deck that just stomps on yeah. Esper. And Stoneforge, in general. and that
1: deck will probably continue to be one of the best decks as Deathright Shaman did not get banned today.
0: Yes, uh, I knew we were going to touch on it. No updates from the banned and restricted list. It is true. Uh, which, which I mean, I, I would have actually been pretty surprised if they banned Deathright Shaman. Now it's like, really this this was the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back. <laughs> now now you ban Right? Yeah,
1: I I don't think it. I agree with you. I don't think it's it was the right time. Um, but, okay, so Andrew asked about, uh, the spiciest card I've run in Stoneblade and why. Um, so I've already talked about, like, Mana and Humility and Soren Lord of Innistrad. Um, but I've also played, and this is because of you, Jerry, I've played Repeal.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love me yeah, some Repeal. that card's
1: a lot of fun. Um, and cards like Bitter Blossom and, um, Nihil is pretty tricky, um cards like those. Those are um probably the spiciest ones I've run. Um and he also asks uh who is my favorite teammate to travel with and why. Um Andrew is also on our in our team and um Andrew has usually the is usually the driver. Um when we go to the big tournaments. We went to a team the team open in Baltimore last year. Um we've been to opens together and things like that. Um, and Andrew and Johnny are the ones that I typically travel with. And Andrew has the best skills at being able to get places in the shortest amount of time with the smallest amount of stops possible.
0: So Curtis wants to know, why doesn't Stone... We kind of touched on this a bit. Uh, why doesn't Stoneblade do well outside of large events? <laughs> um, base... Basically, I feel Esper's that deck that you'll see at all your f but you won't really see it at major events all that often. Yeah,
1: I... I... I agree. Um and I and it was funny Tom Tom Smiley said lies when he in that in the comment section. Um,
0: <laughs> right. Tom being one of the few examples of someone who does consistently well with yeah. stone blade.
1: Um I think the um I think I don't know really where where this question was coming from. I think um it did, you know, stone blade whether while it was maybe considered more of death blade It did well at Eternal Weekend last year, and it um, won the SCG Open in D.C. uh, last year, or I guess 2017. Um, So, you know, Stoneforge Mystic does do well. It just, it's not, if you really do want to, like I said, if you really do want to take down a tournament, um, it's probably best to uh, play what you know best, and if that's Stoneforge Mystic, Go
0: ahead. Yeah, I think Stoneforge decks are definitely an example of people knowing the deck inside and out. And that's a big reason why we don't see it very often, because it is a very difficult deck to play. We still see, you know, we see the Tom Smiley's, the Shaheen Saranis. You know, we see these individuals who are famous for playing the deck because they play Stoneforge Mystics and they play them well. And we don't really see very many... You know, mid-level Stoneforge players, just because of the the complexities of the deck, people
1: will people are too afraid to put down their death, right? Shamans um, to try something new, and try something that they may think um, might be worse, but might be fun. Who knows? Yep.
0: So you'll see Stoneforge pop up, but when you look at the meta breakdown, it's like Stoneforge Mystics making up like less than one percent of the floor of the tournament. Yeah, exactly. But you know. That less than one percent, they made top sixteen, or they made top eight, or they won the event. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, like, um, well, uh, I'll talk about Hani specific, uh, for a moment. He he's the one who did well at Eternal Weekend with Deathblade. Um, he's if you go on the source and look at his history, he's been playing Stoneblade forever, and it's it's no surprise that he did well with that deck because he's been playing it literally since the card was printed. Um, and. You, you know, it's it's only a matter of time before someone like him get does really well at the big tournament.
0: Sometimes it's just about catching the right break, getting the right matchups. Yep. Uh Ian wants to know why your brother is a certified fucking legend.
1: <laughs> okay, so <laughs> um, there's a backstory to this question. Um, I, have a, I have a younger brother. He's 19, and he is five feet tall, and so he's you know short for a 19 year old, um, and so he's the one who. Taught me how to play magic uh, many years ago, um, and we played together, and it was you know it was fun. Obviously, it changed my life forever. Um, <laughs> being on a yeah, <laughs> no, big no, deal. no big deal. It changed my <laughs> life, um, but he stopped playing. Um, but every now and again, I'll take him to FNM and I'll play Legacy, and he'll jump in a draft or something. Um, and Ian got to meet him one day uh, at one of these tournaments, and. Uh, it was it was really funny because my brother is someone who's very brutally honest and t- doesn't want to take any flack from anyone. So he's brutally honest to the point of being obnoxious. And um, Ian just thought that was hilarious. And so my brother's, you know, calling people nerds for playing Legacy and having these expensive cards and looking at their play mats and asking about their playmates and why they're such nerds and things like that and ian just was cracking up the whole time
0: i call people nerds all the time so
1: it's it's, it's all right yeah it's
0: it's quite hurtful actually i cry right? <laughs> it's cause you're a nerd, yeah. <laughs> uh aiden wants to know why is the deck uh I, can, I think we already addressed this uh why is the deck poor position in the meta right yeah, now? yeah we talked about that uh because colagon's command guys. yeah colagon's command <laughs> abrupt decay uh, cards like that yep yeah. Oh, here we go. Ryan Matheson wants to know, any chance of Squadron Hawks appearing in Legacy?
1: Um, yes. The answer to that question is yes, <laughs> because um, that that card is a really, really good way to gain card advantage. It might not be the best way to gain card advantage, but it's really fun if you've ever done it. Um, and if you want to, like I said, if you want to take down a tournament, probably don't sleeve up Squadron Hawks. Um, But if you want to have fun and have people standing behind you watching your match, Squadron Hawks are uh, what you should be playing.
0: Uh, If anyone doesn't know, it's a glorious experience having a Jace the Mind Sculptor in play, casting Squadron Hawk, finding three Squadron Hawks, putting them back with uh, Jace, putting two of them back, then casting another Squadron Hawk, finding the Squadron Hawks again, (laughs) putting them back. Yeah, rinse (laughs) and repeat. Just yeah, just pure card advantage. It just feels so
1: good. Yep, it's um that's that's one of the things that made that deck so broken when it was in standard.
0: Yeah, and that's that's honestly kind of where the deck originated. You know, Esper Stoneblade is very much a deck that was a standard deck that transitioned to exactly.
1: Legacy. Exactly, it just had some really good inclusions of um older cards like Thoughtseize.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um. So, Bob wants to know, for a third color, is black the better anti-combo with uh, Liliano, the Veil, and Thoughtseize, or red for Blast and Moon effects? We kind of touched on this a bit. Um, yeah,
1: well, I think Esper is definitely better versus combo decks, um, just because you have cards like Thoughtseize, which are obviously very good against combo. Um, and But I think blue-white-red is, is a more stable deck to be playing if you want um, just a more well-rounded deck at the moment um just because you have the red blasts and blood moons but i think we touched on this already
0: Gordy kind of adds a bit to it uh with Karanos, god of storms uh for the red version how do you feel about Karanos? <laughs> we've i've seen that pop up a bit in yeah, miracles yeah uh, Honorog was trying that Patriot that often
1: Yeah Honorog was trying that miracles yeah. um but i've i've never tried it in Stoneblade it's definitely a really cool card because Unless they can beat it on the stack, you and it's on the field. It's going to be on the field for the rest of the game.
0: Uh, I even tried it in Sneak and Show as a Miracles uh, Breaker. Oh, really? Yeah, because you just ramp into Karanos, and it's uh, it's an enchantment that they can't deal with. So you're just all right. either draw a card or bolt you to the face. Yeah, an
1: indestructible enchantment.
0: Um, so, yeah, Kar- Karanos could be... So I feel just a bit too expensive for Esper. Like, especially if you're not running Death. Well, right you, Shaman. Can't Car- f- you can't play you can't play Karinosa. Yeah, yeah. I
1: mean, yeah, as, I mean uh, Patriot. Oh yeah.
0: In- uh, with without Deathright Shaman, just like getting up to five mana is a lot.
1: Well, in Blue Red, you have so many basic lands that aren't getting wastelanded that it's it's not it's not out of the question to be playing it. Obviously, Battle Spell is also five mana, um, mm-hmm. so you can play that. But. Uh, I think it's it's a fun card to be playing but if you want the best and most well-rounded deck for a tournament i don't think karanos is the way to go
0: um oh matt brings up a good point here uh is blue white playable we really don't see blue white stone blade lists all that often just i feel because it feels like a bit of an anemic miracles list but do you think blue white stone blade uh is worth sleeving up
1: yeah i brought this up at the beginning um i think Blue White is great because you can build it in two ways. You can either build it um, with, like, four Wastelands and four Mistress Factories and have a really, um, you know, low-to-the-ground uh, kind of deck that plays um, with your with the opponent's mana, um, or you can play your deck with a bunch of basic lands and play main deck back to basics. And both of these strategies are very, uh, you know, are viable, um, but... Um, I, it is worth noting that Wasteland and Back to Basics do not play well together. Um obviously if they're if they're non basic lands you're tapped down with back to basics, you don't need to wasteland them. Mm-hmm. Um just someone asked that question. So I just thought I would bring that up.
0: Um Chris Anderson wants to know, uh we did see come up a monastery mentor deathblade list at Eternal Weekend.
1: Yeah, that was Honey. Um
0: that, oh, that was on yep. his list? Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: he, How do you feel about replacing True Name with a Mentor, then? Um. Well, it's it's not a direct replacement, in my opinion, because I think if you're... So, one of the problems that Deathblade always has is having enough blue cards to make Force of Will good. You know, you need at least, like, 18 blue cards to justify playing four Force of Will in your deck. And if you're cutting True Name Nemesis, you're lowering your blue card count. And if you're playing Death Right Shaman, you're also lower, lowering your blue card count. Um... So it's it's hard to be playing a full play set of Mentor in addition to cards like uh, Cabal Therapy, which is what Hani was playing. Um, but he made it work. He's, he was playing um, a lot less lands, and he was playing cards like Spell Pierce and Jutaxian Probe. Um, and I think that deck is really great. But And if you've, been, if you've ever tried that deck, it's, it's so much fun. And it, it makes True Name Nemesis feel really, really fair. It makes, and that deck really takes advantage of Mentor and how um, broken the card is
0: yeah (laughs) yeah it's pretty awesome um so nathaniel and uh anthony kind of go on the same thread here of you know what are your thoughts about deathright shaman you know should it be banned does the deck need it does the deck hate it uh how does how does esper feel about deathright shaman
1: um esper deathblade doesn't it is a different deck than esper stoneblade um it's you know, if you're playing Esper Deathblade, typically you're not playing as many basic lands, um, you and you're you're sacrificing the the stability of your mana base to be playing cards like Death Right Shaman and sometimes cards like Leovold or Bropticay, Sylvan Library, um, things like that. Um, so there are two different strategies. I don't think it's you don't need a Death Right Shaman. Um, like and you don't you don't not need death shaman if that makes sense you know there's there's reasons mm-hmm. to be playing it and there's reasons to not be playing it it's just preference death shaman is a very good card so you might want to play it but there's i it's impossible for me to tell you whether or not you should be playing it or not
0: besides whether they should ban it or not you know i think we've that ship has sailed a bit for the at least the current standings do you want death shaman to be banned personally
1: yeah um no, I don't think so. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised or or even really sad if it got banned. I just don't want it to get banned. I don't think it's a good thing for a fair card like Deathrite Shaman to be banned. I don't think that promotes a healthy format, in my opinion. I, I don't know. I just think if they're going to start banning cards every year, it's just not good for the long-term health of Legacy.
0: True that. Uh, we know Pat is uh you know feverly in favor of Death Shaman being banned and as quickly as possible. Deathright Shaman's
1: fine. Keep around. Oh, he's changed his opinion. It's fine. That's
0: that's that's Pat, the fence sitter. <laughs> uh history is what you tell them it is, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> um so nathan wants to know what do you personally find compelling about all the Stoneblade variants that kind of makes you want to try all the different flavors um
1: okay so i i really like this question thank you nathan um this question is really interesting because the part that brings me to Stoneblade is the fact that you're usually winning the game in the same way you're usually winning the game with one of your equipment with true name nemesis or with jace the mind sculptor and all of those strategies of winning the game I like. Um, and you're doing it whether you're playing a tempo deck like Band Deathblade or you're going for the super long game with blue White Red Redstone Blade. Um, and if you're playing Esper, you can play cards like Thought Season, Humility um, and Lingering Souls. Or you can be playing Blood Moon in blue White Red Redstone Blade. Um, in all of these ways, you're always ending the game in the same way, but you're getting there in different ways. So um, that's why I like playing them.
0: You like just taking all the different paths to the, that all lead to the same spot. Exactly. Nice. Uh, Bera, <laughs> he is a fan of the uh, much Maverick uh, red-white stone blade
1: variant. <laughs> yes. you've. I've um, had the pleasure, or some would say displeasure, of playing against his white-red stompy deck. Which
0: is is I think we're going to get Barra to come on a cast uh, in the near future. Yes, he is a very uh, funny.
1: He's he has a very funny personality. That'll be a good episode. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah, he's been playing uh, basically strawberry parfait for a long time now. Just red white prison blood moons and stoneforge mystics and he wants to know why do blood moon and stoneforge mystic go together so well
1: um well i think it's because blood moon prevents your opponents from playing all of their cards and they can't use their cards in the best <laughs> way possible and so stoneforge can get sword of fire and ice and jitte and take over the game so
0: ah so you're saying the team that scores the most touchdowns usually wins
1: the game i would say so <laughs> that is usually how it goes <laughs>
0: Uh, I like how how people just a- ask questions they already know
1: the answer to. It's just
0: like it's like third party humble brags. Yeah, that,
1: that's been <laughs> happening a lot in this comment section.
0: <laughs> it's just like I already know the answer to it. I just want you to tell everyone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, finally. Uh, Clay wants to hear your thoughts on uh, Back to Basics being main deckable and not just a sideboard card. Yep.
1: I, I talked about this. I think it's a really, really good card yeah. in Blue White Stoneblade. And there's um, a, there's a guy named Russ in the um, Stoneblade group who has a, has some success on M2GO with Blue White Stoneblade with Back to Basics main deck. And um, and Connor played Blue White Stoneblade too, so it's a, it's a viable strategy. Also, so um, I'm on Discord, and, um, and I helped run um, the, the Stoneblade Discord with uh, a European named Hrothgar, H-R-O-T-H-G-A-R. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um, but um, Min, you, you know Min, he messaged me on yeah. um, Discord, and he said he was excited to um, listen to this episode, and he was also excited to hear my answer to Marcus's question. Um Marcus said how many games of Stoneblade did it take before switching to Miracles? <laughs> 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 um, and it took it took 2 years of consistently playing Stoneblade for me to decide I needed a break. And that was and I thought this was a good question just for um a good mental health exercise for people who play Magic. I think people get discouraged really easily. I know I get discouraged sometimes and so I think it's a good idea to just when when you're playing a deck, if you think if you think you know you're getting discouraged, if you're not feeling well, then um, take a break or switch it up. That's what I did. You know, I, I was playing Stoneblade for so long that I felt like every single line of play I saw in every single game I played, I already had seen before, and so I thought I already knew how it would all play out. And when things didn't pan out the way I thought they would, I would you know get frustrated with myself and how I was not performing the way I wanted to. So instead of continuing to play a deck that I thought I was I was really good with, I decided to switch it up and start playing decks that I had something to learn, you know.
0: I mean, you just need a break sometimes, a little mental health vacation. Yeah,
1: and it's a good idea to always it's it's a good idea to always be playing different decks so that you know how to play against them better. You know, you have to know right. where your where your opponents are coming from, how your opponents are playing the game, to better play against them. You know, it's if I'm I lost a lot of games to Miracles when I was playing Stoneblade, um. So it was it's a good idea to pick up Miracles and see the lines of play, see where the weaknesses are, and notice patterns of my play so that I can notice it when my opponents are playing it when I'm playing Stoneblade. True that.
0: So ultimately, don't be afraid to switch.
1: Exactly. You know, you never have to be on the same deck forever. Never think that. You know, it's always, you're always able to switch and um, try new things. Awesome.
0: Well, anything else you wanted to talk about uh, Stoneblade?
1: Um, There is one thing. So, uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor. I find myself, when I use Jace the Mind Sculptor, I'm very aggressive with it, um, which isn't always the best thing. Um, Jace the Mind Sculptor is the best when you're playing it and you're already ahead on board um, and you can be safe with it and brainstorm and continue to gain card advantage and continue to play safe. I don't always brainstorm with Jason. I find myself trying to either, um, dr- trying to drag myself back into the game with Jace by unsummoning a creature or, um, trying to immediately start winning the game by fate sealing my opponent. So I fall into these traps with, uh, chase the mind sculptor sometimes. And, um, and I just think it's. it's Jace is such an interesting card to be playing with that it's. There's. Usually you want to be brainstorming with it. Um, but. Uh, especially in Stoneblade, because you need. You have so few ways to be gaining card advantage. You need Jace to be able to gain you the card advantage that you're losing um, through interactions in the game, whether that's through him to Tarak or Coligan's Command or, you know, Force of Will or things like that.
0: So. We have seen Jace kind of, you know, take a bit of a backseat lately. We're seeing fewer and fewer copies get sleeved up. Um, You think Jace is pretty much an auto-include in every Stoneblade list you play? Yes,
1: I do. I think there are some decks that go down to one, but I think it's such a a good card to be playing. Um, And when you're playing Blue-White Stoneblade or Blue-White-Red Stoneblade, you have even less ways to be gaining card advantage, so Jace is even more important. In Esper, you'll see people... Um, cut Jace sometimes for cards like Liliana or um, even Gideon, um, which is fine. Um, but in blue, white, and blue, white, redstone blood you want to be playing more J- copies of Jace.
0: Should we get into scoops? Uh, yeah, we oh, yeah. do scoops. Nice, uh, Pat. Who you want to scoop in this week? Oh man, um, I don't. Mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold hold my turn. Let you go first, you're gonna hold yeah. your turn, uh, Judge Slow Play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ben, what about you? Did anyone you want to scoop um, in? Um,
1: I week? do. I have a few people that I want to scoop in. Um, so I, when I started playing Magic, I was in high school and I had a few friends there, so I'd want to scoop in Graham, Alex, and Tori. Um, and were only
0: friends in high school? So I didn't have
1: many friends in high school, Pat.
0: <laughs> wow, Pat! Thanks for the rubins. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, go back to your frat house. Nerd! Nerd!
1: <laughs> um, there's also, I'll scoop in the Esper Bros in the Tundra Town group chats that I'm in. They have helped me become a much better magic player. Um, There's also the discords for Miracles and for Stoneblade that have helped me get better. Um, Min has helped me get better. The WPI group, Curtis and John um, and Will and Nathan and Connor and all of them. um, And Blightsteel Gaming and obviously Jerry and Pat. That was way more than eight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Pat, you still thinking? Uh, I'm just gonna pass this week. I don't have any scoops. Uh,
1: all right.
0: Okay, no, good. no one's worked hard enough to get scooped in the top eight. We were actually. <laughs> oh, I was actually wow. just talking in a group chat uh, today, actually, how much I actually hate like draws <laughs> and just cons- and like uh, and uh, you know splits in in magic in general. I'm not a yes, fan. The, this was in the uh, the leaving legacy mod group because uh, yeah. apparently the rules changed with the ban and restricted announcement. Didn't know this was ever a rule, but now. You can't use prizes acquired pre- prior to entering top eight or entering finals to determine prize. So, like, anymore. if you got like, a, like a um, a prize pack just for entering a tournament or something like that, you can't throw that into the mix when you're talking about splitting. Yeah, I guess it includes like door prizes. Like, say yeah. you go to a tournament where it's like first place, which I, I would assume that would just be outside anyways. But I guess that was just a clarification. I didn't even know that was a rule. But I'll, yeah, but uh so well now they officially made it a rule that you can't use that as as part of uh prize negotiations. I think it's more relevant for as far as like uh top 16 is guaranteed this, top 8 is guaranteed this, first is guaranteed this, like first place can't use their like top 16 prize in order to negotiate the finals prize. I don't think I'm explaining it that well, but you know, you're doing a terrible <laughs> job. <laughs> That's why I'm a judge, which I'm not. <laughs> oh, actually I do have uh, one scoop, Jerry, before before you uh, just yours. too bad you passed. Michael Mapson for <laughs> joining the Patreon family. Thank you very much for your support, Michael. Uh, how could you almost forget that bag? Come on. <laughs> now the scoop is gonna sound like extra commercially after that lead-in, because I, <laughs> I wanted a scoop in wormwood. <laughs> I swear this isn't a paid advertisement, <laughs> but I sent my deck box in to get fixed because the button broke. Like the oh, the snaps, like
1: metal fatigue. Yeah, the snaps. Yeah, Yeah,
0: like it has the sweet like buckle buttons on the side, and it it broke. So I sent it in. I was just expecting them just to like replace the button and be done with Wait, it. The what? But they the button.
1: They're snaps. They're, what? They're like brass buttons. Yeah, that, that I just snap like hearing Jerry say button? He, he it
0: like, button. he said like he's saying like Joe Button. <laughs> It's it's a button. B-u-t-t-o-n. A
1: B-U-T-T-O-N. Oh, you were making fun of his pronunciation. <laughs> yeah,
0: button. like Jerry's button. Like B-U-D-D-E-N. <laughs> it's a button. On the s- a button. A button, Jerry, a button. <laughs> a, a button on the side. button. Yeah. Can I finish my story? <laughs> I mean, if you keep saying button, like, sure. So the button, the button broke. The snaps. <laughs> snaps. <laughs> snaps crackle pops so it broke <laughs> i sent it in and i was just expecting them to just fix that but they like they like totally replaced the leather strap and they put a fresh coat of varnish on the deck box. they like gave the deck a tune-up
1: gave the deck a tune-up oh, the, they...
0: <laughs> the deck box not the actual Your deck, deck. needs a tune-up right <laughs> yeah I, I i sent my deck in with the deck box and it came back full it. it was great <laughs> They whiteboarded all my friend my blackboard duels. And...
1: <laughs> this is what you wanted, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but shout out to Wormwood because they went above and beyond. So their deck boxes are expensive, but you do get what you pay for. I'm actually I'm going nice. to be buying some I of their dice faults. Take... Oh yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm starting up a D and D play group, and I want some like uh, dice trays to play with. So oh, I'm probably going to go to Wormwood to do that. Yeah. Uh, Pat, I'm going to crash your D and D party. Yeah. If you want to come play, man, come do it. Uh, I, I started playing with, uh, Mike and Dan recently. Oh, actually. no shit. Have you ever yeah. played? Yeah. No, this is my first time. Yeah. I've this is, this will be my first time too. Well, it'll be all newbies in my, uh, my play group. Nice. Yeah. I'm excited. Awesome. Uh, oh, also my second, uh, sh- in the top eight was on Thursday. I went to play a pandemonium. And a bunch of us uh, after the tournament all went to the bar next door and (laughs) we were at the bar until like midnight uh, on Thursday after just hanging out, talking about our decks. And uh, actually, one of the owners of JP Comics was there. uh, His name's Blake. Oh, Blake's great. I've met uh, Blake before. Yeah, he was a super nice guy. And then at the end of the night, he just gave a bunch of us all a ride home. So nice. Shout out to Blake for being awesome. If you're in uh, Jamaica Plain, check out JP Comics. Will do. Very cool. Yeah, I was just you know I can't give you shit about you know shilling out to Patreon anymore because I just did a double commercial. <laughs> 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 oh boy! All right, we we telling some jokes, Pat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, uh, we'll roll a die and we'll uh we'll pull up a joke. We got three. Uh, uh I don't like this one, <laughs> Chris. <What? laughs> Chris, this isn't very funny. <laughs> What's, what's the joke what's orange and sounds like a parrot uh a carrot a, a carrot a carrot uh, a carrot, a carrot. Uh, <laughs> not good guys step up the game. <laughs> let's do another Just one wait till you get, to, get to mine, wait till get to mine. <laughs> <laughs> all right we're doing another one uh this time we got nine <laughs> okay this one's all right uh why did beethoven get rid of all his chickens why uh, i oh. don't know why why would he all they said was bach 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 uh music history joe pretty good that's pretty good uh, that was a good one yeah <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're we need some more people we're gonna if we're gonna keep reading a couple of these an episode we need we need some more <laughs> yeah and like from funny people only if you're funny <laughs> if you're not funny don't post anything please <laughs> Jesus I don't want to have any more embarrassing moments like we had from our friend here. It was a bad joke. Man, just beating up on Chris, man. Come on. I'm just I, kidding. I mean- it was a bad joke, but it's okay. Just don't do it again, please. You have the, like, if you're on the computer, you can like, just Google search for funny jokes. Like, you should know what's objectively funny. That joke was not objectively funny. That was like a child, child's joke. Like I know it's like, you know, it's I know it's like put a joke in there, but you can put some effort into it, you know? Just like a little little bit. Don't just like the think of the first joke that comes to mind. Do do something. Do something. With
1: it. All right. Thank you. <laughs>
0: oh, <God. laughs> oh, play play us out with something sweet, Pat. <laughs> I'm just gonna loop your laughing, Jerry. Never a savior to plan Chain life is not the chance